Hello and welcome everyone tonight to another edition of our Mystery School. Tonight's topic is the Moon Matrix, and I'm your host, Jacob Cox. So I want to I want to talk about the Moon Matrix tonight. I want to talk about this topic for uh, I've been talking about this topic for a very long time. Um, I think it's a very important one. Uh, over the years, the thing I've learned the most, and I really want everyone who's you know here with us tonight to know before it gets too much. There's a there's something at the end I'm trying to bring to the awareness of everyone who watches this film because I think it's important not just to bring out huge topics, but what can we do about them? Uh, how are these relevant for us in this now moment? that we can use it. So yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So first we're talking about the moon matrix. So we are talking about the moon. This is literally one of the biggest mysteries that we've talked about thus far, literally, because it's not even on this planet, it's outside of this planet, um, our moon. It is a huge anomaly. It's got so many mysteries wrapped up in mysteries. Uh, it's mind blowing. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So first we got our, the moon, um, it's pretty obvious. You know, we everyone sees it. We've seen it for a long time now. Lots of stories about it. Um, it's the only moon that is recognized uh, as a natural satellite, natural satellite to our planet. Um, and starting from the very beginning, you know, the whole whack theory. Um, this is what we're taught in school. Uh, how the moon came about was that some object, huge Mars size, op, huge Mars size object, hit our planet. And then the debris after this this object hits our planet, the debris swirls around our planet in this just perfect way. And so that the sediments and everything that's all in the atmosphere now just settles into our moon. Um, this is what we're told. We even have a double whack theory. Sometimes people say another object came in after the first object hit. Um, these these explanations and theories, and that's exactly what they are. They're only theories. We are taught in school as if these are actual facts, but these are theories and they are not very good ones. They don't hold water. Um, and the reason why it's so important to realize this is they don't even give us any alternate theories of how it could be there. Um, and the reason that they have to do something so, so astronomical, a huge idea of the whack theory is because our moon doesn't follow natural laws, natural physics of how all the other moons that we know of operate. And that's huge. So, you know, what's really, you know, one of those ideas where it's really important to just see the other theories and see what's out there. And I think that's what tonight where we're really going to try to explain how other theories may uh, be more appropriate for what the moon is. So uh, after the whack theory, let's go ahead and talk about the how big the moon is, the size of the moon. So out of all the moons in the solar system, our moon is the fifth largest. Uh, obviously, Jupiter and Saturn have, uh, you know, bigger moons, but these are massive planets in comparison to us. Our moon is the fifth largest moon in the solar system, uh, and we just really, honestly, shouldn't have an object that's circling around us that big uh, for our gravitational pull that we have for this tiny little planet. You know, Mercury and Venus doesn't have moons. Mars has a tiny moon. And in comparison, most moons are pretty tiny. Our moon is, even though it's the fifth largest moon in the solar system, it's actually the largest moon by ratio by any other moon in our solar system. And I think that's important to know. It's even, the, the diameter of the moon is over 3,000 kilometers. 
The diameter of our planet is over 12,000 miles. So it's literally 27% the size, a little over a quarter of the size of the Earth. That's massive. And that is so big. And we really don't even take the time to think about that. We just get this information as kids in school. And we just take for what it's worth. We get it. And we're like, okay, it was kind of satisfying. But um, when you really look at the logistics, when you look at all the parts that go to it, it isn't really satisfying. It's not really explaining how this thing got here. So there are tons of moons in the solar system, you know, Titan and some of the bigger moons from Jupiter and stuff that are obviously much larger than our moon. Um, you know, our moon is honestly bigger than Pluto, which is, that is a huge fact. Uh, one of the reasons why Pluto is no longer a, technically a planet, like a dwarf planet or whatever, because our moon is bigger than some of the other moons of Jupiter are bigger than Pluto. Um, but, um, you know, it, it doesn't, exp this doesn't explain a lot. So let's keep going here. Um, so our moon has a near perfect circular orbit. That doesn't happen anywhere else that we know of. Uh, all moons typically have this elliptical orbit. When they catch the gravitational pull of their planet, then they're circling in this more elliptical orbit. Our moon is a, in a circular orbit, much, much closer to the planet than all the other, uh, than all the other moons to their planet. And so one of the other big anomalies is, so okay, we got, it's the fifth largest moon in the solar system. It has a perfect circular orbit, which doesn't happen anywhere else. And then it doesn't spin around. These are massive uh, ideas um, when you really start to think about it. I mean, all planets, all moons, uh, stars, the galaxy spins. But our planet, our moon, does not spin around. Um, it does rotate around. Um, and so I had to do a little research to find exactly how it all works. But basically, when our moon, when our sun, when our, when our moon or sun, when our planet is in the middle and the moon rotating around, you're only seeing one side. So eventually, as it turns around, it is turning around. Uh, and, and so basically, the day and the month is the same thing, like 29 days, 29 point something. Um, the moon and the day and the and the month are the same because it's taken an entire month to go all the way around and turn itself back to where it was in the beginning. So this is what's absolutely crazy. It is like a double planetary system. Let me say that again. It's a double planetary system. So technically, our moon is not really rotating around our Earth. It is rotating around the sun. And our moon and our planet are rotating in a harmonious dance called synchronistic, synchronistic rotation, where they are both rotating around and they are rotating around the sun. This, the moon is technically not rotating around our Earth. I know when I was reading this and learning about this, uh, this is one of the things for this presentation in particular that I learned for myself because I, I just didn't understand how how this was all working and why we only do see one uh, side of the moon, yet I knew that it rotated around. We are literally uh, in a cosmic dance with the moon rotating around the sun. This is a heliocentric idea, not a geocentric idea. So all the, you know, the astronomers that came and, and talked about the moon and the stars, and they would be on with this. Uh, but this is certainly is how it works, a double planetary system. Um, and another huge thing is that the moon is likely hollow um, and the apollo missions 12 and 13 and 12 
they took off from the moon and the rockets that took off the moon, they fall back down to earth. And when they fall down to earth, the moon rang like a bell for an hour. So they did this again with the Apollo 13 mission, um, just with the more intention and, you know, with the, with the louder, with more power at this time. After it did on the Apollo 13 mission, the moon rang like a gong for three hours and reverberated. And uh, that gave the idea and scientists had to say that the moon has to be hollow. There's no way that it could ring like a bell and or ring like a gong for three hours if the moon wasn't hollow. Um, Carl Sagan even suggested and said that no natural satellite could be hollow. It has to be solid object. That's what the moon has to be. So, you know, with all these things I'm telling you, the largest moon, the perfect uh, circular orbit, the no spinning, the synchronistic rotation, um, the hollow and the reverberation, um, we're, we're coming up with anomaly after anomaly. These are facts. These are not, you know, speculation by any means. I'm, I, at the beginning of this, I really just want to give you guys facts of what's going on. So the moon seems to be hollow. It's reverberating sound and gongs and like a bell. Um, let's go to our next one, our next slide. So this is our moon. And just by looking at it, just taking the time to actually gaze upon it on a picture and realizing as you look at this picture, this thing looks super old. It looks super ancient. I mean, in comparison to all the other planets, all the other moons, uh, our moon by far looks older than anything else. This thing looks like it's been hit by a billion craters, and we really don't have anything that looks like that. Now, I know <clears throat> it doesn't have an atmosphere, but it just, you know, it doesn't make sense for this thing to look as old as it is. Um, and that's really important. And we have to realize that um, this thing has been hit by tons and tons of craters. I use this picture right here just because it makes it a little easier to see. One of the other things that makes this picture makes it easy to see is if you notice all the craters on the moon, all these craters only go down to a certain depth. As if there's some kind of reinforcing metal or something underneath the surface that is, keeps these craters from penetrating to a certain distance. And what's what also goes along with that is when the you know astronauts get the rocks and the, the, the moon rocks and everything off them when they bring them back to Earth, uh, what they've noticed is that all the stuff on the surface should be the stuff that's inside the moon, that the rocks inside the moon, um, you know, it seems like it's you know, that's the same thing happens on Earth. When we dig and we drill and we pull everything out and we put it on top, that's the older stuff now on the surface of the moon. And that stuff you know, only happens when we dig and we drill. And so we have these older things on top of new things. Um, that's what we're seeing on the moon as if this thing has been hollowed out from the inside out. The rocks and everything that are on the surface are much older than everything underneath it. And that's incredible information. Not only that, but some of the some of the metals and things that we find on the earth are metals that only we can create man-made. So these are not natural substances. There are literally metals that they find on the moon that we have to man-make here on our planet as if there is some kind of man-made metals that is reinforcing the inside of the moon so that these craters hidden can't penetrate uh, past a certain amount to the surface to protect the people inside or protect whatever's inside. Um, okay, so craters one depth. Um, so that's this is incredible information just to know that 
these these metals exist on the moon, that these rocks are much older, uh, that the craters, no matter how big they are, don't go past a certain point. Again, all this stuff is incredibly um, life changing when you really put it all together. One anomaly, two anomalies. OK, I, I maybe. But we're talking about anomaly after anomaly. Um, and again, you can see in this picture, maybe a little better. It helps to see that these craters only go only go to a certain distance. I mean, uh, it, it's just it's absolutely incredible. Um, and this is something that you just don't learn about in school. and No one talks about unless you go way down the rabbit hole on YouTube <laughs> or another platform like that and check out these videos that people put out. Um, certainly a lot of information everywhere you look if you're really interested and you really want to dig. Okay, so on to the next thing. Um, the eclipse. The eclipse is something that definitely doesn't happen anywhere else in our solar system or anywhere else that we know of. Um, it is absolutely a phenomena for our moon to perfectly eclipse the sun. Uh, this doesn't happen anywhere else. And this is literally because the distance to the sun is 400 times the distance to the moon. And the sun is 400 times the size of the moon. So if we're talking about a kilometer backwards or a kilometer forwards, then it wouldn't happen. It has to be set in just the perfect spot for it to eclipse like that. Now, that is absolutely wild. Um, it's something that just, just doesn't happen anywhere else. There's nobody else who has a, who has a moon that big and, and certainly not in a circular orbit close enough to eclipse the sun. It, this, this just doesn't happen. This is a mystery. It is an anomaly. If it is, it is to be a natural phenomenon, it's almost, it's almost impossible. And, and again, I'm into somebody who's in impossible things, but when I look at how nature works, how the universe works, it has natural laws and patterns that it happens over and over again. All the other moons work the same way, but our moon doesn't. Um, so it's something to think about. Uh, so again, we all know how this works. You know, once the the, the moon gets in between the sun and Earth, it, it casts a shadow. Uh, very important to see. Um, but certainly, again, this just doesn't happen anywhere else that we know of, and, and it is quite the anomaly. And again, it's because it's one four hundredth the size of the sun, but also one one four hundredth the distance of the Earth, which results in the moon and the sun being the same size in the sky as a coincidence not shared by any other known planet-moon combination. Absolutely incredible. Um, and then let's talk about the structures on the moon. There are lots of pictures of structures on the moon, pyramid-type structures. Um, things that just don't look natural at all. Um, and, you know, they're all over the place. And then, like, these pictures, although, you know, it seems small, you know, the things that these things, the area that these things would cover and the height that these things would cover would be astronomically huge. Um, uh, one of these shards was discovered in 1968, and it is, you know, thought to be 1.5 miles tall obelisk in 1968. That's what they thought. Uh, that that was a mile and a half from the surface. And that is just an astronomical thing. And you can see the shadows and things that these things cast. So they have to be extremely tall to, to have a to have a shadow like that. It's just absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever even been on like the Google moons and things like that. And they're just literally splotches blocked out that you cannot see, um, you know, just huge spaces that are blocked out that they don't want you to see on there. Um, and you know, that's just, that's just the honest truth. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about there's literally, you know, stations and, and things happening on the moon that we can't see? It honestly seems to be that way. 
um, people note seeing smoke in craters, light in craters. Uh, sometimes people see blue lights in craters. They even have one part that's in a crater called the blue gem. But uh, and people see lights and things coming off of it. I mean, there are definitely stories from the astronauts, even Buzz Aldrin and, and talking about things that they saw, people who were there when they were there. Um, you know, and even when you see these people, when the, the the Apollo mission comes back in 69, these dudes are looking at the table. They're not super excited. They saw something. They knew something, um, you know, for whatever reason, whether they did or didn't make it there that day on in July 20th, 1969. I think eventually uh, at some point, at least we have. Um, but um, certainly uh, it is a mystery. And what's going on there is absolutely, uh, you know insane it's incredible um so you know we're just trying to bring to the light uh some of these anomalies some of these mysteries to help people understand you know everything that we've been told in school it's subject to you know ridicule it's subject to let's check it out let's let's look at other things let's check out other theories um and there's nothing wrong with that absolutely nothing wrong with that so because there may be who knows you know at this point in my life i realize i know absolutely nothing <laughs> This much to an infinite amount of information in the universe. And I find that incredibly important to humble myself enough to say, I don't know it all. And I'll be honest, I don't think that the teachers knew it all. And I don't think that the education, uh, you know, directors and people who, who decided what we're going to learn made sure that it was very valuable, empowering, truthful information. It's almost just like regurgitate this information on command. Whoever does good, we're going to put you in good positions. Uh, and that's not I, I I feel like I want to question. I want to, I got my questions. I want to know why. I want to know what. I want to know how. And uh, a lot of my questions didn't get answered in school. So it is totally possible that there are bases, that there are uh, extraterrestrials and, you know, all kinds of things happening on the moon that um, we just not have. I mean, some people probably know about, of course, sure but the average person is just not aware of. Um, so let's talk about another thing. Um, the moon mysteries, there are tons of them. And uh, another moon mystery is the fact that the moon has an incredible pull on the tides of the planet. In fact, you know, it causes the low tide and the high tide because of the way it's moving around our planet. And um, if our bodies are mostly made out of water, and our water is connected to our emotions, right? If the if the moon uh, has that effect on the planet, then certainly it has that effect on us, right? And we know on the full moons there are more more rapes, more murders, more aggressive acts, more seizures. That um, has that has more power on that day than any other day of the twenty nine day cycle. And so that's really important to realize. And even police officers put out more police officers on. The full moon than any other time of the lunar cycle because they know it, that's when it's going to get crazy. Um, so it's important to realize that the moon has a huge effect not only on this planet but on ourselves and especially on our emotions. So the moon has so many mysteries that literally people have written books about who built the moon because there are so many anomalies that you know they can write a whole book about it. You can write a whole series about it. Um, it's absolutely incredible. So there are lots of facts, lots of more anomalies. Those are the facts and anomalies I just wanted to, to talk with you guys right now. But I wanted to move it another direction really quick. I wanted to go from factual things, physical things, tangible things that we can talk about to um, kind of the legends 
of the moon. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. So the philosophers, there are many philosophers, especially Greek philosophers, who talk about a time before the moon. And some people think that Bible translations actually talk about a time before the moon. Uh, of course, we know the Bible is rewritten stories that have been passed down over and over again, kind of hidden away from the public and certain people, because what do they do with information? They burn down the Library of Alexandria. They you know, suppress information and truth. So these documents have to go around century to century, um, and people have to rewrite them over again, and they're secret, and they have to be hidden. I mean, the Bible was found in pyramids, locked away. It wasn't something that people passed down. Oh, here, here's the next one for you. No, these are these are powerful stories that get people killed uh, when they talk about it. So um, it has been a important message uh, that's been passed down from generation and rewritten over again. So we lose that uh, you know the juicy parts and the, and the honest truth, and it's a little bit watered down. We got the King James version of events, right? And there's never been any king on the side of of uh, the, the normal people. So we have to take it all with a grain of salt, but. A lot of scholars do suggest that some of these writings talk about times before the moon. And even in the Aramaic Bible, they, they talk about that, too. And so, you know, just remember that it's all rewriting, telling stories over again. But um, uh, another Aristotle talks about the uh, the, the, Pros, the Proselines, Proselines, how you say it, from Arcadia. And um, they, they had exp- expressed in their writings and stuff that they had been here since before the moon was here. And I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah, here it is, Arcadia right here. Um, so that's pretty That's pretty amazing. Now, here's one legend that I want to share with you guys that I just feel like is so incredible. I can't even believe that this is a legend that exists on our planet. But here goes. So from a Zulu shaman named Kredo Mutwa, uh, the Zulu believed the moon to be a hollow and reptilian, to be hollow and that reptilian people live in there. This is their this is their legend passed down. That it was brought here by two reptilian brothers. And it's very similar. This is very similar to the Sumerian uh, information. We're talking about Inki and Enlil, the two brothers that came here um, in the Sumerian tablet. So very, very similar. And um, they said, the uh, Kratom Mutwa said that it was like an egg rolled across the universe by lizard people called Shitari. And before the moon, there was no seasons. And it was a tropical, lush earth with humongous redwood trees all over it and had this, you know, fog over the entire planet um, that, you know, when, you, when you're when you in California and stuff, you've been to the place where you, uh, redwood forest, they have this fog that's over the trees and everything. And that's what helps degrees, the trees grow so tall. Um, they said this was over the entire planet. So there were trees everywhere. Um, Pretty incredible. And um, he said before the moon, there were no seasons and it was there were tropical, huge trees, lots of fog. And when the moon was introduced to the planet, when the moon, you know, when they drug that thing or, or drove that thing or flew it in, however you want to say it, when it when it flew in to uh, rotating around our planet. Um, it made all this fog fall to the ground because you know, our moon, you know, our our earth is going straight up and down, right? This moon comes in, it tilts it over because we know we're tilted over now. And, and it's such a weird thing because even so since we're tilted, 
you would think in summertime we're closest to the sun, but actually we're furthest away because of the tilt. But anyway, it pulls the planet down and tilts it over and completely changed everything. This is what creates the four seasons that we know of. And before that, they had no seasons. They had this supposedly 70 degree, you know, nice tropical, you know, earth without the intense season. I'm sure there was a little bit of, of variation. And especially if you go up the mountains, obviously in higher elevation, it was colder, but for the most part, their day was pretty, pretty regulated. Um, and we found this in other planets around the universe where people have said, and scientists have discovered planets and they say, man, this planet seems to have a very, you know, uh, upright down axis and the, the, there's no seasons and it's just a 70 degree day every day. And so when I heard that before, I was like, wow, that's probably what, you know, our planet was before, before the moon was introduced. And um, it seems to be, that's what their legend says. So they said it changed the rotation and turned over on its axis. So it went the other way completely too which is which is a profound statement i I do think that um it's possible when we have polar shifts that we our moon our planet spinning one way we have a polar shift and our planet probably stops spinning and goes the other way this is something that probably does happen naturally i do believe Um, that's probably what causes the three days of darkness so if you have the sun over here this the poles flip our earth would stop spinning and then uh, the sun side would get a long day, which the Hopi legend talk about a long day that happened in the past that would happen again. And the Eastern on the other side of our planet, they talk about the three days of darkness. And that's what would happen if the planet was to stop spinning before it started to spin back around. Um, so I do think that is what happens on our pole shift. Um, and, I, and that's a whole nother topic, but, and we won't go too far into that. But for right now, according to them, again, the, it changed the rotation and turned over on its axis. Uh, and another thing that the Zulus say is that menstruation did not happen before the moon was here. And that I feel like is astronomical. Um, that this thing not only has such a huge effect on all of us, it has an even more, a, a greater effect on women. And um, that to me is 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 absolutely mind-blowing. And my honest thoughts here, these are my thoughts and not the facts. So um, I think that the moon was able to bring down what we call the divine feminine. And we have a divine masculine and divine feminine on this planet. And that's not just in certain genders. Of course, we all have that. I have a divine masculine, divine feminine in me. But it makes sense that they were able to do this back when the moon came into place, that it was able to bring down the divine feminine, uh, have them menstruate and... Um, this is probably why in, in legends and history, we don't see as many women uh, in these statues of Christ and Buddhas and Krishnas. Although I 100% believe Mary Magdalene was Jesus's married wife, not in the sense that he paid the government money to put a ring on her finger, but their energies were married, that they were uh, one and the same, that they were both incredibly powerful. Christ, I believe her name, Mary was a title, not a name. She was married. Her energy was married and her energy is married with herself first and foremost, and also that of, of Christ himself. And these, these were enlightened beings, uh, kings and queens, real, real kings and queens. Um, and I think, um, so that was, that's the, one of the ways that they're able to bring down the divine feminine is, uh, by the moon being here. And so again, they said that this is a reptilian race that did this. Um, and you know, so many people, so many people just won't even talk to you once you talk about reptilians. 
But if you guys have never seen it, here's something I 100% tell you to go check out. Go check out the Nazca mummies. And in Peru, there are literally mummies that people have found. They're 100% no doubt real mummies. But they have three fingers on their hand, and each finger is really long. They have three toes on their feet, which each toe is really long. Um, These uh, hominids, they're hominids, um, a little bit shorter than us, but that instead of ovaries and things inside, they found eggs inside this hominid. And that is absolutely incredible. They also thought the thing was cold-blooded and thought it was a reptilian. Um, So there literally have been what people have thought to be mummified reptilians on the planet. So with along with legends, stories, mummies, um, you know, it's in our subconscious. I mean, it feels like in movies, cartoons, we're always fighting this thing. And I don't say it to be, you know, to be scary, because honestly, I don't think all of them could be that bad. Maybe some of them, you know, are a little bit more enlightened than others. But um, it's not to scare anyone. But I, I do think it is a serious subject that we need to open up and just at least be open to that information, not just shut it down because it doesn't doesn't register for you or it's life changing. So it changes my whole world. There is no doubt in my mind, that this whole universe is full of life. It's teeming with life. And not just people that look like me and you, but people that look way different than us. You know, bird-type people and reptilian-type people and, you know, all the grays and everything. There's all kinds of different kinds of species. But typically, we're all the same. Two eyes, a nose, a mouth, uh, two arms, two legs. That's a Fibonacci sequence. Um, so that's just something that we're typically going to see. Um, another legend that I found incredible that I really want to share with you guys tonight was in Tiwanaku, Bolivia. They talk about the, the major flood coming because of the moon also, and that the moon was set 11,500 to 13,000 years. And that I thought was important because that's exactly when they're saying that the great deluge happened, that the flood happened. So I feel like that was really important. So honestly, uh, you don't really see a lot of information uh, about the moon before 6,000 years. I'm going to talk about temples. I'm talking about writings. Uh, there's not a lot of information about it before then. So you have to come to the conclusion at least, uh, or at least ask the questions, you know, how long has the moon really been there? And people tell us it's been there for four and a half billion years. It just doesn't add up. These things don't add up. Uh, something drastic has happened on our planet. Something incredible is going on. And it seems that, you know, we're being used a little bit here. Um, and it's good for us to start asking some questions to try to find out what the mystery is, what's going on, what's happening. Um, I really could go on and on about weird anomalies about the moon. But um, I think it's really important to realize uh, how important this subject is and how life changing it could be. I mean, if the moon has enough power so that it's able to flood our planet and bring it in here. That's a, that's a crazy thing. And the fact that there are any stories, any stories at all about this phenomenon is just absolutely mind blowing that, you know, that people have stories that there's a time before the moon, that the moon caused a great flood, um, that the moon was set there 13,000 years ago. These are, I mean, obviously something happened really crazy. That was probably out of the ordinary 13,000 years ago for this major event to happen. And we were talking about it earlier. You know, it could have been if it if it reversed the rotation and pulled the tilt over, you know, maybe that's when um, Antarctica was already in a different place. That's why you have the Paris map where it has the outline of Antarctica. It pulls it over the moon. And now the, the Antarctica is down in the South Pole 
and everything shifts and now it's completely covered up. But I can guarantee you whether that Antarctica is Atlantis or not, doesn't matter. You will find when that thing starts to melt some more. And if we were able to go down there, we would see lots of structures, lots of uh, pyramids, lots of you know man-made structures that would suggest that Antarctica has been in a place uh, where people have been able to live not that long ago in human history. So is it is our moon a Death Star? You know, just like Star Wars, you literally have uh, this this object that flies around the universe with the awful, you know, Darth Vader and the Emperor. And they take that thing around the universe to take over planets. I'm just asking the question. I mean, I don't know, but it seems to point that there are some crazy things like that happening. And, you know, we have to ask that question. Is it possible? Just because we don't have the technology to do it doesn't mean somebody else can do it. We're certainly doing similar things, though. Um, we live down here in Colorado Springs, and we live close to Cheyenne Mountain. It's an entire mountain that's been completely hollowed out, and there's a whole city inside of it with military people in it. If we can do that where we're at, could somebody else hollow out a, hollow out a planet and bring it to ours to you know do things for themselves that work for them? It's totally possible. So that is the truth. It could probably be an old planet that you know maybe it was alive. Uh, but maybe it was its own little mother earth somewhere in its own solar system. Maybe they took it over at the time it was living. Maybe it died and it passed on and, and they used it then. But it seems likely that they came in and hollowed that thing out in order to use it as an organic kind of spaceship, you know, um, line it with metals that kept the things from from craters from hitting it and, and destroying it. Uh, that's what you would have to do to fly it around. Sure. Um. And it's possible that this is a Death Star, um, you know, for lack of better terms. It is a, a spaceship to fly around to kind of take over planets, if you will. And so what if what if this moon is creating some kind of moon matrix where it's able to, you know, create this frequency, create this energy that's emotionally, uh, you know, uh, altering us, that's alt obviously altering women. And creating this frequency that almost kind of dumbs us down and makes us sleep a little bit. So we're not fully awake. Um, I just think it's totally possible. What if? And if it is happening, if it is happening, is there a way that we can actually exit this matrix? Can we get out of this moon matrix that's been upon us for 13,000 years or so? Um, I think so. One of the things that I feel like now more than ever that it's really important to share with you guys is if someone takes advantage of you, it can be to your uh, benefit. For instance, if there's a bully and the bully's going out on the playground to find someone to, to manipulate, to tear down, to make himself feel better, he's not looking for healthy people, people who are swinging and playing together. He's looking for that one kid who already thinks he's turtling. I'm not good enough. I'm not popular enough. People don't like me. That's his internal dialogue that's happening. So what happens? The, the That's ultimate, ultimately what the bully thinks about himself. So those two people line up and are attracted to each other like a tractor beam, and he's going straight to that person. And the bully may make fun of you. And most people say, you know, bullies are so bad and everything else. And, you know, it is. But it's needed. It's almost like this cosmic magnetic pull that needs to happen for you. Because you probably wouldn't learn it any other way. But if your internal dialogue is, I'm not good enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not, you know, you know, 
sexy enough. I'm not attractive enough, whatever. And that's what you're saying to yourself all the time, just constantly bullying yourself in the mental and emotional realms. Certainly, you're going to bring in the physical realms a bully. And that bully can make fun of you and talk to you. But eventually, that's the catalyst for your change to realize your worth. Uh, I realized in a job before I was taken advantage of so much by certain people. And I had to eventually realize I had worth that I couldn't be taken advantage of if I didn't have worth. But it was my worth that I needed to realize so that um, it would be known to me. And at that moment, when I realized I was taken advantage of and it was because I had worth was so important to me. And, and it helped me realize that I needed that. I wouldn't have figured it out any other way, or at least that was the best way for me to finally figure it out and get the message to my head. You know, it's almost like the universe has these little feather tickles and little touches. But if you don't listen, you know, sledgehammer blows come and eventually someone's taking advantage of you in a bad relationship, job you hate, whatever it is. But those are the last final blows, things that are happening and help you help you wake up. That suffering helps you wake up. So if that little kind of microcosm of this bigger microcosm, if someone is using on another planet trying to take us over uh, to use us as batteries, um, then they are in this consciousness that's a little bit outside of us. You know, they know we exist. They're watching us. But are they smarter than us? Are they better than us? Are they more connected to spirit than us? I don't think they could be because I certainly don't see someone who's super connected to source and to spirit taking advantage of people. These people have to be empty on the inside to be one to suck on and, and take advantage of others. So my ultimate realization is this, that if these people are out here in this planet and this moon taking advantage of us um, for whatever reasons, they can't be that much higher than us. They really can't. And you know, if this is some kind of Death Star and there's people living in it taking over planets, then maybe we can become Jedis. Maybe a Jedi is just really another term for a Christ or a Buddha or a Krishna. And Christ said, you can do all the things I'm doing and greater things, but we have to believe it to achieve it, to receive it. This is probably one of the most important things I feel about this topic. It may be scary. It may be a little off-putting at least in the slightest, but if it helps us realize who we really are and how powerful we really are and that it's time for us as a civilization, as a human race, not white, black, red, or yellow, but that all of us are part of a human race. And that's the only race that really exists. When we start to come together, when we start to become one, when we start to realize, like, stop fighting each other, start hating each other for what you look like, what your politics are, to stop being polarized against each other for Democrat or Republican or, um, you know, whatever the circumstance is, and start to realize, like, hey, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's these are earthlings. These are humans. And we have a huge mission that we came here to do. We came here to take back our planet. And we've come here for lifetime after lifetime, realizing and gathering up information, gathering up spirit, gathering up experiences to come to this point, which the Bible and the Marbarta, the Book of the Dead, the Popol Vuh, all these incredible books of literature that have been left for us, hidden for us to find, to put all these mysteries and all this puzzle together to give us enough information to realize you are the one. I'm the one. We came here to do something incredible, something great. 
and take back this planet and make it the beautiful Garden of Eden that it has been and always has been, to be honest. What an incredible mission that each one of us have. It makes being bored the most incredibly dumb statement I could possibly think of. It makes thinking that I don't have enough to do or I'm not enough. It just makes it totally irrelevant. You are more than enough. Each one of us has a piece of this puzzle to bring back with each other. And so I dare you all tonight to realize your power, your importance, how incredible each and every one of you are and part of the mission. You know, we here at Ascension Works Television are just trying to pull some things together to help everyone realize that and to come together and and to know this again, to know how powerful each and every one of us are. Christ didn't say, I'm the best of all. No one's better than me. He said, all of you are gods. You know, they were going to stone him for doing miracles on Sunday. He said, you are all gods, every single one of us. And more and more, I read that New Testament and the most important words written in red. I realized he was telling us, he was daring all of us to be great, to be beautiful, to be loving beings that we came here to be, to love each other, to hug each other, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so tonight, I want to tell you guys this. If the moon is this idea of some kind of Death Star that has aliens in it that have come here to, you know, kind of uh, take advantage of us in some way, to, to, to say it in the quickest way, um, what's important to know is the hermetic principles. There's one, there's seven, but there's one that I want to talk about right now before we get off. The pendulum swing is in everything. If there's something that's going on over here that pulls everything to this way, then certainly we can use that when the pendulum swing comes back to our advantage. And so by talking to many of my friends and everything, I'm realizing that these moon phases have power in them for us. This is incredibly important to know that that emotions, that focusing on certain emotions, that having ceremonies on the full moons and new moons, uh, and setting intentions, it's incredibly important to be able to use this instead of going out on town on a Friday night on a on a on a you know full moon. It's going to wreak havoc on you. I mean, I, I've been in that industry. I've seen people do crazy things, especially on full moons that they just would normally wouldn't do. Um, it's having that 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 kind of effect. But if we can take our intentions back to the ceremonies, the um, the intention settings of certain times and places and doing ceremonies, not only with others, but with ourselves, but especially with others too. Um, and realize that harvesting, growing, all this stuff has a huge um, impact on who we are as a civilization. When we follow these cycles of the moon, it can help us. Uh, it's that we can certainly use it to our advantage. The pendulum swings and everything. So even when someone takes advantage of you, you know that you can take that and use it for yourself to be a better person um, and to know your worth. That's incredibly important. So, you know, tonight I want to leave with this, that I think maybe the moon may not be here in our near future. I think uh, I've been in a, I've been in a park one day. Uh, Mike, if you want to pull that yeah. just to me now. I've been in a park one day a couple of years ago, and I was talking to Tava. Tava is what people call Pike's Peak. It's our 14,000-foot uh, mountain here at uh, Colorado Springs. And I was doing a meditation and Tava spoke to me and she told me about polarization, that people are polarized And this polarization, whether it's Democrat or Republican, white or black, whatever, would you find something to be polarized against someone else about? It was detrimental 
to us as a society and that pull yourself away from that. See the wholeness in that. See the duality in that. Um, don't let them polarize us. Don't let us, don't let them make us fight each other. Love each other. Love one another. Know that out of all the people I ever met, I have never met one person to this day. And I don't expect to meet anybody with the same values and teachings and understandings that I met, that I've got and uh, the things that I believe. I haven't met one. I don't expect to meet one person that believes everything that I do. But I've met a lot of people who believe in God is love, um, that each one of us are important to love our neighbors, to care about each other, to take care of each other. That is, is the fundamental in the, the society and the tribe that I'm in now. And I think that's super important. Um, we live in an incredible time. This is the time been prophesied by so many around the world, almost every continent. I'm sure we find some prophecy and some text in an article when we pull it up. Um, but we live in an incredible time to take back our planet. And, you know, it's what a coincidence, what a coincidence it is that one of the biggest movies in our, on our planet is star Wars about, you know, this artificial AI intelligent man. That's mostly machine who, who, who goes around to plants to take it over, uh, with a bunch of probably reptilians that work with them and knowing that this is our planet. You know, this is like Avatar, right? That's why it's so emotional to watch that movie, man. It's like, this is our time. This is our planet. We live here. We have the knowledge. We have the information. It's, they are the few and we are the many. But we must come together. We must, uh, we must work together in a way and do ceremonies in a way because we know this is all about magic. And there's a few people work together who do magic and rituals. So that there's this illusion of fear, there's an illusion of lack, there's an illusion that there are more powerful people than us. That is a matrix of fear. When we love and we burst through that matrix, it doesn't apply to us anymore. We literally become like Neo. We're not, we're not confound to those laws anymore. We rise above them. And everything that I've ever read suggests that we can do all these things and greater things. And I'm asking everyone tonight to come together, to get together with people in your community, in your tribe. Start to do these ceremonies together. Focus on what works for you and what, or what works for everybody as a whole, as, as opposed to a few. Start doing ceremonies with the people in your community. Start talking with people in your community. Start getting out of your way and loving other people, uh, being kind. I can't tell you enough. I 100% believe that meditation, focusing on, not praying for. I don't pray for things anymore. I pray that they're there already. And I feel the feeling that it's already here. It's right here now. I don't pray for it like if it's not here. No, I pray. I pray freedom. I pray and meditate on love and on harmony. And when it's scientifically proven at this point, when a few people in a city meditate on love and peace, that the drastic aggressions and murders go drastically down in those cities. That is a scientific fact. And I'm telling you tonight, we need to organize at least. I mean, I don't even think as good as these people. There's so many more of us. But at least if we organize and start doing these things, I think and get out of the polarization of fighting each other and start working with each other, knowing that those are your brothers and sisters. We can take back our planet. We can have the Garden of Eden back on this planet as it once was. And I think this is incredibly important. What an incredible world. Maybe soon, you know, the Bible talks about the moon, you know, and, and, the, and the red and everything else and going out the lights. I think soon there'll be a time on this earth when there will be no moon again. It'll be a much more harmonious, glorious, 
thousand years of peace, golden age, incredible Kali Yuga. And uh, I'm excited for that. And I hope each and every one of you have heard this message tonight. Know it deep down in your heart and in your soul that it is true and do something about it. And I just want to say thank you guys all. I'm incredibly grateful for every single one of you that showed up, for every single one of you that will watch this movie down the line, uh, watch this podcast, whatever you want to call it, Mystery School. I want to thank Ascension Works TV. And I'm so grateful each and every single one of you. And I am extremely grateful to work, to live at a time where we can take back our planet and take back our world and live in a place and in a, in a way that's been lost to us for a long time. I thank you all. Namaste. Namaste.